When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Hurt in a bunch. Milrow on the shotgun. Stepping up in the pocket. Looking, firing downfield. Has a man. Catch is made. Touchdown, Alabama. And off Corm. He's got some room. 25, 20. Blake Corm. Blake Corm to the 10, to the 5. 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Michigan. Five of the hands. Takes a snap. Stands in the pocket. Pressure coming. Bouncing out to the right. Going for the home run. Up the side. Full back to throw. Pressure comes, throws, catch made. Franklin off to the races. 40. He might go all the way. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's on cruise control into the end zone. And right back to the air. Quick hitter. Out to the 25 and to the 27-yard line. Side felt. He fumbled the ball. Ball came out. And we'll see if the Huskers got it. Yes, they did. Exactly what they needed. And Nebraska recovers. That is Omar Brown, the safety. Yeah, I think right now, I think when you win and you lose, it's really important to talk about uh, the moment that you're in. Um, I think for me, it's important to remind them, you know, that you know how much I respect them and care about them and how I know some guys are really hurting and some guys I'm sure feel like, man, I let the guys down or if I hadn't done this. But, you know, it's the man in the arena, the guy that has the guts to go out there that, um, you know, puts himself out there. So I just encourage them to make sure they understand that at the University of Nebraska, I expect us to, I expect us to finish the game on offense, but I also expect us to finish the game on defense. And uh, this shouldn't be anything but a team. Good morning. Welcome in here on a Monday morning on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. What up? We've got Shane Schillerberg producing, and we have a... Listen, we don't have a ton of guests today, but we have a ton to talk about today. Uh, real quick, right before we get into Husker football, I want to let you know that we are going to talk to our regular Nebraska guest, Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. We're going to talk a little bit of NFL because my 49ers are back on top of the world. Uh, yeah, 6-3. <laughs> with Jason Cole <laughs> at 8.45. And then we're going to talk to Michael DeCourcy of the Sporting News about some NCAA basketball as uh, that starts to get underway. But first and foremost, uh, Nebraska loses again. Don't know if you saw that. Uh, that yeah. was a yeah, little. I, I did have the peacock on. Uh, yeah, we were here over here at Herdout Sports Bar and Grill where we do the show and uh, watching that one live. And, man, I there's so many same, different. Same stuff, different day. There's so many different things to talk about. But I the thing that I keep thinking about is Marcus Satterfield 
And it's not even just like, okay, I don't really love the play calling here. I'm not totally sure about it there. And, and Coach Rule touched on it just a tiny bit. And he didn't say Satterfield by name, but he, he just touched on it a tiny bit in his press conference where he goes, hey, if we keep having the same problems across three different guys, then we're probably not doing something right. And even before I had heard him say that, I, I kind of landed on, okay, the, the errors between Sims and Harburg and Purdy look too similar for me not to think that there's a common denominator, and the common denominator is Marcus Satterfield, right? Because you're talking about guys with different skill sets, different backgrounds, different amount of, amounts of time in the program, and came all from different places, all making essentially the same mistakes. The types of interceptions they throw, the types of fumbles that they give away, at least between Sims and Harburg, look so similar that I'm having a really hard time. Like, listen, with two guys, I'm willing to call it a coincidence. With the third guy, I'm like, okay, we might have a trend here. And I don't know if there's too much on his plate where he can't be a good, effective QB coach and an effective offensive coordinator at the same time because that is a big job. But, man, I am having a really hard time not pinning what we're seeing from the offense on Marcus Satterfield right now. And that's from a guy who has been pretty gracious with Satterfield because of all the circumstances on the offense with the injuries, with the offensive line, with the running backs, with the wide receivers, even at the quarterback room. I go, you know, I'm having a really hard time evaluating this offense because I don't know what it's supposed to look like. I'm to the point where I know it's not supposed to look like that. That's kind of where I've landed is like, hey, this may not be what he wants it to look like, but obviously he's not teaching what he needs to teach in that quarterback room for what it is right now to look functional. Yeah, I'm going to throw Purdy a bone and not jump too far on like. I actually thought he played pretty well. And I think so, too. I don't want to say he's making like the same mistakes as everybody else. Uh, just yet because I don't think he's had enough time for me to say like yes you're factored into this equation but you're on the right track when you say this this is a Satterfield problem because it's his job to coach the quarterback carousel of clowns right now (laughs) and it starts with Harburg at the top right Harburg is dependent on his safety net Thomas Fedoni like every time yeah. he he steps back to throw, it's either going to Fedoni or it's going into double coverage somewhere. But he's dependent on getting that ball to Thomas Fedoni in order to get first downs. Then you have Jeff Sims, who has no ability to protect the football that he pulls it down on. Yeah, just no. Ab- you see him bounce off to the right side. As soon and, as he did that, I was like, oh, like God, no. he, His arm's a wet noodle. Yeah, just all, all out it, here. Just. Well, the ball is all over the place. You have no protection over it. No wonder yeah. one hit knocks that football out. And sometimes it's not even a hit. Sometimes he just drops it. Yeah. He just flat out drops it yeah. on the ground. And then you have Purdy come in, who obviously throws the best ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's at least what, what we've been told all offseason. And, and it and, looked and like practice. it. And, and, yes, it did, too. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what happened on that play. On that interception, I still have like four different like. Scenarios. I think there are like three or four different things that could have happened. And people on Twitter and guys, I appreciate the interaction because people have very strong feelings about what happened. I think there are three or four different options, and I don't think we're going to find out what it is because Rule's not going to throw somebody under the bus. Well, because here are the four options, right? One, it's it's just a bad thrown ball. 
It, yes. it was the right play call, and the ball was just thrown into so-called double coverage. Two, the crossers crossed way too late, and I don't know what was up with the play calling, so you could knock Satterfield for that. Mm-hmm. Three, maybe it's a Malachi Coleman thing of, hey, it's a young wide receiver, and he ran the route wrong mm-hmm. uh, because it seemed like Billy Kemp had his route. Right, it seemed like yeah. he, he was going the the right way. Although I've heard several people make the argument that Billy Kemp's route was supposed to be deeper, mm-hmm. and, and that's and that, why Malachi's guy was able to come off. And the fourth one is Billy Kemp's route is supposed to be deeper, and that's Malachi's ball to catch. Yeah, because it seemed like Malachi held up. Like yeah, and and you know something I thought about in that moment because we've all been freshmen before mm-hmm. on a, on a team, whether it's um, in college, whether it's in high school. As a freshman to a senior, sometimes you worry about taking away the senior's ball. And you don't want to be the one that's looked at as, I didn't make the play when Billy Kemp could have made the play in an impact moment. And so, like, sometimes you get a little skittish. And I'm not saying Malachi got yeah. skittish, but it looked as though he's like, I'm not going to touch this ball. You that know, ball's going to go by me, and I, I, I think that's for Billy and not me. So, what But I- it was easy for him to just cut right through. It looked like a ball he could have caught. Yeah, and, and so that's the thing that I don't know is I don't know if it was for Coleman, if it was for Billy. I genuinely don't. I have no idea. But what if the play didn't lead them so close together, I would say, we wouldn't be having this debate. So that's part of the problem, right, is if the ball could have been easily to two guys, two different guys, then they're probably too close to each other, right? You're basically just inviting a second defender to one or both of those players, right? So – it's either a bad route concept or it was run incorrectly. Like those, I think that one of those two things for sure happened. Now, could have been a bad throw still, could have been that somebody ran the wrong route or whatever, but one of those two things has to be true. Otherwise, the other things don't make any sense either. So I don't know if Billy Kemp was supposed to take his guy further to the corner so that throw was easier for uh, Chuba to make without having to worry about the second defender. I don't know if, you know, some people are saying Malachi got jammed off the line a little bit so he couldn't get clear his defender as fast. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if he cut his route off or it almost looked like, I don't know if it was he was letting the ball go because he didn't want to take it from Billy Kemp. It almost looked like he saw Kemp flash in his like peripherals and was like, oh, is that that ball might not be for me. So like it's the, kind of the mm-hmm. same idea, right? But I, I don't know if you've ever like I, I, this is a dumb analogy, but sometimes when you're playing like doubles pickleball, you'll both be kind of going towards the middle for the same yeah. ball. And mm-hmm. at the corner of your eye, you'll see your partner's paddle start to go and then you back off. And, and then, then nobody hits the, off too. And nobody hits mm-hmm. the ball, right? It almost looked like that. And there's a million different. It's like baseball, middle infielders. You're right. both going up the middle. You see somebody come and you back off of it. Well, sometimes whatever. you trust one guy more than the other, though. Yes. And, and so, like, if, if you're going to make a baseball analogy, most of the time you're going to trust your shortstop. Yeah, you let the shortstop get the ball, right? right? Even if the third baseman is going to come across and, and swoop and, and, yes. and get it. Cut it off in front you, of right? Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you just have that moment of, oh, my shortstop will get it. Sometimes, that's kind of what I thought about with Malachi. And there. that's like, entirely oh, possible. Oh, Billy Kemp will get it yeah. because th- like that, that's his ball, so I'm going to hold off. But it should never be a moment, if the ball is intended for Billy Kemp, that the off-ball defender is, is close is enough. Yes. <laughs> is picking Because it's off. not like that was a help defender. That was, a, that was someone else's defender, <laughs> right. right? He peeled off at Malachi. So that's what I mean. He like, didn't even peel off. That ball went yes, right into it, his hand. Yeah, he was just like, eh, okay, I guess you're throwing to me now. But it was either, like I said, either a really bad route concept that brought that into the fruition, that situation, or 
the routes were run so poorly by one or both of them mm-hmm. that it created that situation. This game has to rank as one of the worst as an OC, though, for Satterfield. It was, pretty, it was really bad. I mean, there was um, – th- the really frustrating thing here is – and I get, listen, you're dealing with three different quarterbacks, but again – you're also the quarterback's coach, so that has to fall on you a little bit too. If we were giving him credit mm-hmm. earlier in the year for the way Harburg looked compared to the spring, then we kind of have to blame him for har- how Harburg and Sims look now, right? Like that's kind of part and parcel, part of the same deal, right? So I thought, the, I thought this was one of his worst games, as you said. And the most frustrating thing about it is the run game is still working. They ran. Emmett Johnson looked really good. He had 4.9 yards a carry. He only had 13 carries. He had, uh, as a team, they had 40 rushes, 4.6, mm-hmm. I believe, a carry. Listen, if you're getting 4.6 a pop, I want you to run that thing until you're below four. Do you remember when I asked Shafe? It was, I think, two weeks ago when Emmett Johnson looked really good. Mm-hmm. And I said, is there ever going to be a case where Emmett Johnson can be looked at as the workhorse, somebody that gets the ball 18 to 20 times a game, or does this offense not even fit what they're trying to do there? And his response was, it's not tr- it, th- this offense is built on having the quarterback run the ball just as much as it's built for your running back to run the football. But has that changed now? Also, are we at a point now where we can just say, like, ah, we changed the offense once. What's the, what's the hurt in changing it a little bit again so or tweaking it again? That's what I was going to say, right? And, and excuse me, Emma Johnson had 17 carries. I would have loved to see that number closer to 22 or 25 because he was running the ball really well. Um, but, yeah, so that's the kind of the funny thing is it's not like this team originally was going to be a QB run offense team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were going to have some of that element because you brought in Jeff Sims, and that's kind of what you wanted to do. But it's not like they came into the season being like, hey, we want to rush the Well, they the brought in Jeff Simpson. They said they weren't going to run it a ton. Yeah. I was thinking, I think coming into the year, they probably were thinking five to seven tops QB runs a game. And then all of a sudden, you're like, uh, maybe 15 to 20. That was not the plan. So what's the difference to be like, hey, and, and they did it because they thought that was their best way to move the ball. Well, it's like, okay, your best way to move the ball right now is Emma Johnson. So why don't you just pivot a little bit more? Just like, and I thought the offensive line played really well. So that's the thing I wanted. Another thing I wanted to talk about. I thought this was the offensive line's best game, especially bouncing back of what we saw last week, which was not great. This offensive line developed holes for their runners, and the offensive line gave their quarterback enough time. I was going to say to throw an interception. That was the improvement, right? Because a lot of the defense, a lot of the offensive line through a lot of the year has run blocked the well the ball pretty well, right? They have run blocked. Pretty well. There we go. Got it out. Um, but it's been the pass pro that's been kind of an issue. I thought they had really clean pockets for the most part on Saturday. I don't know what the PFF grades say or whatever, but eyeball test tells me there were holes to run, and that's backed up by 40 carries and 4.6 yards of carry. Listen, if you're popping 4.6 yards of carry, I need like 50 plus. Like mm-hmm. just like keep pounding that rock, baby. And the it passes the eye test right. of. And listen, it's not going to look like it on stats because they're 10 for 21 for 86 yards and four picks and zero touchdowns. But if you're watching that game, those guys had time. And I think they even had more time than it looked like because I have not seen a Nebraska quarterback at any point this year climb the pocket. I don't think I've seen it yet. That's like a basic QB 101 thing, right, is, hey, my, my offensive line is going to push the rushers to the outside they're gonna start. Yeah, step lo- up. They're gonna start looping around. I think that's part of the reason we see uh, guys get sacked or 
they're swiping at the ball when when you're when they're getting the rush on is you got to climb the pocket. The literally pass protection is designed with climbing the pocket in mind. That's why they force guys to the outside. You climb the pocket. You give extra time to make a throw. Nebraska's quarterbacks just run directly into defenders a lot of times, especially Harburg. We haven't seen it as much because we just haven't seen anybody else as much. But Harburg doesn't seem to know what to do when there's any sort of rush. And even when he's got a clean pocket, he just runs into the rushers because he feels like he panics a little bit. Yeah, you know, you brought up something too last week, and I didn't really – I hadn't really taken notice of it until this week Mm -hmm. because I never thought about – I, like I wasn't in, I wasn't in Robbie's brain, but you had mentioned how that's probably like, for the, the play best. calls, <laughs> the play calls are there and they work. Yeah. But sometimes it's just the quarterbacks that just can't execute. Yeah. And like, do you change the play calls to make it easier? Maybe to. a little more basic. But there are moments in that game where I'm just like, holy cow! Like if I had a full view of this field, Jalen Lloyd has like an 80-yard touchdown. Wide open. But again, I didn't have like the full view to see like did somebody come and help. But why are we throwing – like why are we so committed to throwing one way into one guy? Because they don't see the field well. That's the other thing with Satterfield here. And that's kind of what I was getting to earlier when I was talking about it looks the same from – all three different guys, and we're not again. We're not sure on Chubby X. We only saw him for one drive, and frankly, I thought he looked the best of all three. But you'll see him more. I think he's your week. starter this week. I genuinely do. But we'll get into that well, later. It'll depend on Harburg's health too. I think I think they're going to give Chubba the start this week. And you know what? It, that would be great. And he deserves to see. it. He that deserves would be great it. to see. But with how committed they've been to Harburg throughout this whole process. And I think Coach Rule said it too in his post-game presser. You don't want to like have so much overhaul to where it's just like, what are you guys doing? I mean, it, it's not any different than sending the same guy back out there all the time because you get the same reaction, right? It's different. It's a different uh, mechanism. But when you keep sending Harburg out there to to commit turnovers, we're still like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, and right? you know, yeah, the turnover problem was bad. Nineteen percent of passes resulted in a turnover. That's not good. Um, only 21 balls were thrown. Yeah. Five were turnovers, mm-hmm. um, and that was courtesy of quarterbacks. Four were interceptions. One was a fumble. They completed 10 passes. Yeah, so they had half as many turnovers so as they did So 40% completed. of completed passes were turnovers. Another point here. I think it's time for Satterfield to come down from the box. So, so here's why. Okay. Harburg has completed 19 of 44 passes and gained just 50 53 yards on 35 carries against the number 13 defense in the Big Ten, against the number 11 defense in the Big Ten, and against the number 9 defense in the Big Ten. He's somebody that, based on these statistics, needs to be coached up on the sideline. It can't just be coach rule. You see Harburg leave the field on certain balls. Mm -hmm. Remember the turnover that ended up being a flag early on in the first? And coach rule was kind of like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, he just came. You could read his lip. Dude, you got lucky. You You got lucky. It wasn't like you saw – it wasn't offsides, right? And you took a shot. And you took a shot deep. It wasn't like – It was a bad throw. Yeah, this guy got passed or feared with whatever, right? It was was a terrible throw. What – I, and so I agree. But if you're a quarterback's coach, you can't be up in the box anymore. Yes. If Harburg's going to be your guy, you have to be on the field with him. So here's the other th- – and I want to wait and get to this. But real quick on Satterfield, I do think that there's been a stubbornness on his part to actually do the things his guys are capable of and not what he thinks they should be capable of. I understand he thinks they should be able to make the throws – 
and hit the guys that are open because there are guys open. Like I'm, I'm not going to deny that there are guys open. I think he has been way too stubborn to not to understand. Like I get that guy's going to be open. My guys cannot make that throw at a consistent enough level for me to continue calling that play. It just isn't a thing, right? I think he's been way too stubborn in accepting what the hand he's actually been dealt is and refuses to just be like, yeah, listen, Michigan ran the ball 32 consecutive times to end that game. 32. They didn't throw a pass after the second quarter. You're telling me that if they can do that against Penn State, who is not in the same category as Michigan, but it's probably a similar gap between Michigan and Penn State as it is between Nebraska Mm -hmm. and Maryland. Mm -hmm. Like Those are comparable abilities, I think, on those sides. I'm not asking Nebraska to run it 32 consecutive times, but you have to throw it 21 times with quarterbacks that no one trusts. I mean, I I don't understand. Like, I just don't understand, especially when your offensive line is playing well, especially when you're getting 4.6 yards of carry for across your entire team. That includes some crap QB runs and and pressures and things in there too. Like, Emma Johnson at 4.9 a carry. I, like, if <laughs> like if you can't. Like, like if Michigan can do it, and I get they're better than Nebraska is. But if Michigan can do it, why can't ne- why is Satterfield like, oh no, we can't do that here. And look, run the ball on third down, on third and goal, right? You will go back to that play we started on with with Malachi and Billy Kemp getting crossed up. Like yeah. that should have been a run play, even if you don't get into the end zone. It's fine. Here's the last thing I will say on on Coach Satterfield, at least for this segment. I was like, probably not the last <laughs> thing, but for the for the first segment, maybe. The the thing you have to rest your head on at night mm-hmm. is three words. Take the points. Yeah. You have to sleep on that every single night, every single game. That has to be the thought process every time your offense has the football because your defense is good enough and has proven mm-hmm. throughout a game to be good enough Throughout the season. Even if you don't get six points, Mm -hmm. a field goal is a good thing. Points are always a good thing for this offense. They are hard to come by. Stop expecting or asking your players to do more than they're capable of. To do things they have absolutely shown you they cannot do. Accept the fact that they are basic and nothing more. And sometimes not even basic. I mean, to be honest, like sometimes they're below, even below that standard level of what you would expect from a power five quarterback, you have to be able to accept that. That has to be the mindset, though. I don't care if it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter. I don't care if it's a 10-point ball game or a tie ball game. Take the points. You take the points in all situations. And here's the thing that I want to address because I've heard people be like, oh, that's a loser mentality, whatever. It's not like running the ball prevents you from scoring. And it's not a loser mentality when you're already finding ways to lose. Yes. And, and listen. In fact, that's probably a winning mentality because you give your, you put yourself in position to you're win You're trying at that point. to find ways to win, right? Right there. People act like running the ball means you're not going to score there. Let's be honest. You're more likely – to find a crease and score on a running play if you're Nebraska than you are to complete a precision passing route, okay? The field gets super condensed at that point of the field. You're like on the three, four-yard line, whatever they were on. That All the defenders, super condensed. You know how hard it is to read the field with that many bodies in that small of a space? These are quarterbacks that are having a difficult time reading or seeing the field. I'm not saying they can't read defenses, but I don't think they're seeing the field well. That's a different thing, right? I don't think they're seeing the field well 
when there's wide open spaces. So in the most condensed area you can possibly be, you're expecting them to see the field well, and you're not rolling them out to make it easy for them or anything like that. Like, we've got a Satterfield problem. Like, that's the long and short of it. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, you've got some feelings, some thoughts, as we do. I'm sure you, <laughs> you do as well. You want to overreact still. Hit that Warhorse Sportsbook hotline, 888-638-4876, like Fred has. Fred, we will get to you as soon as we come back. You're listening to Herd Out Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities.